Not long into the establishment of the early church, um, she realized that what she needed in some form or fashion was a level of structure. Uh, What we know about the book of Acts is uh, the apostles are sent out, and they begin to preach, and then different people from various backgrounds, they enter the fold, they enter the community. And so you can imagine that it's not long into any group that as the group begins to grow, that there's going to be a need of some level of order, some level of structure in order to care for the people that were entering the fold. And so that's what we have, at least in Acts chapter 6, the formation, uh, at least in, in an elementary way, some level of structure. We call that the choosing of the seven. That's where there are some confrontations between one side of the church and the other side of the church, and in their level of struggle, they go to the apostles and ask them to fix it. And so the apostles said, well, you choose seven, seven men of, of wisdom, seven men uh, of a right spirit. And in, in, in your Bibles, if it has subheadings, it's going to be called the choosing of the seven. They're servants, deacons, and their sole responsibility for their job is what we would call social ministry. Their job is something like what we do with Wynn Neighborhood Network. They did that for their community. They were... Over, they were overseers of a feeding ministry to take care of the widows, Jewish widows, Hellenist widows. They were involved in levels of pastoral care. They were servants. Now, we know the seven by name. They're listed in Acts chapter 6. But two stood out, Stephen and Philip. Now, we know Stephen because he preached a pretty detailed sermon And didn't get invited back, that's for sure. Because it ends poorly for Stevens. He gets crossed up uh, with some of the religious leaders. And he is removed from the Acts narrative because he's he's martyred, stoned to death. Now, Philip, we know a little bit more. Because after Stephen's death, under the direction of the Holy Spirit, he traveled north to the Samaritan area. So you're thinking, think about the Sea of Galilee, just south of, of that area. And he began in some preaching ministries, what we would probably call public preaching, street preaching, maybe preaching in forums, and the people responded. Maybe the the best analogy would be on a very small, a smaller scale, something, you remember the Billy Graham Crusades where there would be a a, a preacher that would descend upon a city and, and, and that preacher would preach and then people would respond and there would be revivals, there would be reforms. That's Philip, Samaritan cities. So much so that the way Luke described that level of revival is that the city received it, that is the message, the gospel, with joy. Not long after those preaching events up around Samaria, Philip, Philip again directed by God, now we're moving into Acts chapter 8, is sent south to Gaza, southern part of Israel just before you cross over into Egypt. If you're an Old Testament guru, you know that the Gaza area was the Philistine area back in the days of King David. Now, we know a little bit about the road that he took, but there were multiple roads in his travel from Samaria to Jerusalem and then out into Gaza. But what we know more than the road that he took was that Philip was obedient and willing. 
What he didn't receive from God was, this is what you're going to do. This is when you're going to do it. And here are all the steps along the way. He's just told to go south to Gaza. Very reminiscent of Abraham. His call in Genesis to leave Ur and then to travel, not knowing exactly what, how it was going to play out. He didn't know the outcome. He wasn't, full, he did, he, he wasn't given a, an itinerary. Just obedient. Willing. At some point along the way, he met an Ethiopian. He's the one mentioned in the passage. Probably either the CFO or the treasurer, the chancellor of the exchequer, for Candace, which was the title of the queen mother of Ethiopia. Most likely a Jew. The reason why we know that, a couple of different reasons. One, in Acts chapter 10, Luke goes to great length to explain that Cornelius is the first Gentile believer. This is Acts 8. On top of that, there was a large group of, of Jews that, that landed in Ethiopia. And this particular Ethiopian is returning from Jerusalem where he was involved in some level of worship. Worship in the New, Test, New Testament, and in the Old Testament for that matter, not the same as the way we do it. It's not where on a, any given Sunday, either at 8.30 or at 9 or 11, you come into the sanctuary or to the chapel or to a worship center, and, and there's an hour-long service, and they're singing, praying, and, and preaching. and then that, that's, that's not the way it happened in the, old, in the Old and New Testament. The major worship services were tied to, to week-long events. And there were seven of them. They were tied to different feasts in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And so they would gather either in Jerusalem or if they couldn't make it to Jerusalem, which was the ideal to go to Jerusalem, they would go to the, the local synagogue. And they, they were, these, these feasts were seasonal. They were communal. It would involve singing and dancing. It would involve eating, fellowshipping together. They, they would make sacrifices. You've heard the feast, Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits, Festival of the Weeks, the Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, the Tabernacles or Booths, seasonal. That's why when you read in the Gospels where it says that Jesus, because of the coming festival, he would make his way up to Jerusalem. He was traveling to go and be a part of that weekly worship. And so one aspect of worship in the Old Testament and the New Testament is tied to these feasts. The other aspect, daily prayers, associated with certain hours, early in the morning, at daybreak, mid-morning, lunch, mid-afternoon, dinner time, and then before you go to bed. Now, you could keep on going if you were a night owl. That's where we get the, the, the praying, the hours, the daily hours. This is the origin of that. But those were the two main components of, of worship life in the New Testament. And this Ethiopian was returning from one of those festivals, major worship. And at some point along the journey, perhaps he stopped on the side of the road for a break. He's reading from the book of Isaiah. For him, that would have been the Scriptures. Scripture in the New Testament, that's the Old Testament. The Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament, the Law, and then the Prophets. And so this Ethiopian 
is also engaging in another discipline, reading Scripture. The struggle is not real good with the interpretation. Doesn't know exactly what Isaiah is referring to. And it's at that moment that Philip and the Ethiopian have a conversation. Some of it we get from the passage. The Ethiopian, who was Isaiah referring to, is referring to himself, is referring to someone else. Now, we don't get exactly Philip's response. We get some of that. But I would imagine it's something like, funny, you should ask, because I know exactly who Isaiah is referring to. But it's interesting to me that in the book of Acts, it mentions worship and it mentions the study of Scripture. What I've experienced in my own life is that the act of those in and of themselves at the bare minimum forms a right and good disposition of a person's heart. It doesn't matter if you're studying something that is dealing exactly with what's going on in your life or if the worship service, the theme of the service even entails that. It's just the acts themselves. When you give yourself to worship, when you experience worship, when you give yourself to study, even if the topic is on something different, the bare minimum, it forms something in the heart of the person. Because those two, it's like an antenna is raised or conductors where you're in a better place to receive something that God wants to give. It doesn't matter if the service is exactly what, what's, you know, the theme of the service is exactly what's going on in your life or, or if you're studying something that is exactly what's about your life. It's just the act themselves. It's like our antenna go up and we're able to receive. Because both worship and study, those disciplines a means of exchange that takes place between God and the person. And this is going on in the eunuch's life, the Ethiopians. And then Philip became the connector of the dots for this Ethiopian to the point that he became a follower of Christ. All of this is being directed by the Holy Spirit. Two reasons why I'm telling you this. The first one is this. Your personal influence and your willingness and your obedience, it matters. Philip was first willing and obedient long before he knew the outcome. The gospel, you know, you know how the gospel works? There, there are times where there are these direct, ground-shaking movements by God. Where it's just God and the person. 
independent of anybody else. But that's not the norm. The norm is God takes one person and through their connection to another person, this other person sees what it's like for that one person to be willing and obedient. And that becomes infectious. And so one person's influence really does matter in the life of another person. There might be those moments where God directly breaks in independent of anybody. But more times than not, the Holy Spirit will use other people as an example of what it's like to be a follower of Christ. And so just like Philip, you can become the one that connects the dots for another. You just have to be willing and obedient. You don't have to have every single step along the way Because in all of that, God will direct. But what God cannot do is willing and obedient. That's what is required of you. And there's so many times and so many ways that God is cultivating the heart of another person and we have no idea of how God is doing that. Similar to Philip. He didn't know what the Ethiopian was doing before he met him. He didn't know that he traveled to Jerusalem and worship. All he knew was at one point in his life, he's reading from the book of Isaiah, and he doesn't know exactly what he's reading. And he becomes the one who connected the dots. And the net effect is the Ethiopian became a follower of Christ. Your witness matters. Willing and obedient. That's all that's needed. The second reason I tell you this is because I want you to see this in in real time in the life of Two young men, teenagers in our church. Two individuals over the last few weeks have met with different people of our staff as they fleshed out what they've learned, what they've sensed, and how early in their life there were influences. Parents, coaches, teachers, family, friends, who took something like the pledge, the covenant that we made for Abigail, people took that same pledge for them. So they promised to live a certain way, to just be willing, to be obedient. And at some point and at certain times, 
willing to connect the dots in their life. So then you fast forward a number of years. And here these two sit. And so over the last few weeks, have been owning the influences in their life to the point that they're now ready to move to the next step. And so that's what they're here to do. And so I'm going to ask Henry Avant and Colton Jordan if you would come up and meet me. Because I want you to meet him. And I want you to listen to what they're about to vow. Because this is moving similar to something like Philip and the Ethiopian in their life. And different people have connected the dots in their life to the point now they want to publicly confess their faith in Christ. So guys, I ask you, in the presence of God and this congregation, do you renew the solemn vow and promise made at your baptism? If so, answer, I do. And do you truly and earnestly repent of your sin? If so, answer, I do. And do you believe in God the Father, the creator of heaven and earth? If so, answer, I do. And do you believe in Jesus Christ? If so, answer, I do. And do you believe in the Holy Spirit? If so, answer, I do. And do you receive and profess the Christian faith as contained in the Scriptures, both the Old and the New Testaments? If so, answer, I do. And do you promise, according to the grace given you, to keep God's holy will and commandments and walk in the same all the days of your life as a faithful member of Christ's holy church? If so, answer, I do. And will you be faithful to this congregation with your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service, your witness, for the transformation of the world? If so, answer, I do. What they're not promising is to be perfect. What they're promising is to follow. And at some point along the way, somebody has connected the dots in their life to now this is their own. Your witness, your willingness, and your obedience matters. And you see it here today. Let's pray. Oh God, we give thanks for so many things, chief of which that you invite us to be a part of the gospel and how that gets transmitted from one person to the next. And so we have bookends today, oh God. We see the beginning of this in a baby, in vows and pledges, covenants made between mom and dad, between church and child. And then in the years to come, how those vows, they develop, and there's flesh put to it. And so we see the other side of that in the life of Henry and the life of Colton. What we also pray, God, is that you would continue to use our life in a way that is a witness, reminding us continually that our words and our actions, they matter. We don't have to be perfect. Oh, God, and we're thankful for that. We just have to be willing and to take the grace that is given to us and to be responsive, to be obedient. Bless these two young men, oh, God, as they continue to grow and develop 
And this seed of faith that is now moved into a, a form of harvest. Continue that process as they grow more and more in grace as they follow you. Watch over them as you watch over us. And we pray this in your name. Amen. I want to invite you, if you would, if you would take your hymn books and turn with me to hymn number 576.